Hello, Living Word family. We are glad that you've joined us on YouTube. We want you to be a part of this message that touches your life every day. So on behalf of Pastor Pierre, my wife and I, we are glad that you engage. We want you to subscribe because there's so many messages on here that you can listen to on your leisure. We are glad that we're able to serve you. But we also want you to go to our website. When you go to our website, you will find a lot more information, even the sermon outlines. And also, you can provide an opportunity for you to see a list of our materials, books that you can look at that meets your need, and you could share with other family members or friends. We could also give. As you give to Living Word, you know us. When you go to our website and you do that, we use those funds to serve the agenda of God for the glory of God, and that allows us to serve you effectively. So we're glad you're here with us. Subscribe, be a part of this, and I pray you join us again and keep involved as God so leads you so that we grow through these times and are coming out of it better than we went in. Thanks for allowing us to serve you. Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. They're just sitting up there waiting for me to say something. Look at them. <laughs> Young people, boy. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 as we want to continue. This is the, the culmination of the series we've been doing starting out this year on being intentional. Being intentional about our walk with God, not playing church but being the church. And that takes being intentional because we all have things that have impacted our lives, things that are in our flesh, things that we thought, think about, that ain't got no business thinking about, all those things happen. And so if we're not intentional, then we'll be driving around 610 forever. Okay? <laughs> Just be circling Houston forever. But we got to get in the car and know where we're going and be intentional about getting there because there's traffic, there are potholes, there's traffic lights, there are people like me driving, all that stuff, right? Trucks going everywhere. So if I'm not intentional, guess what's going to happen? I will be mad when I get where I'm going. I wouldn't get where I'm going. I'll go back home and sit down, Okay. Now let's look at verse 23. We're going to go start off in verse 24, but we're back up to verse 23 to maintain context. He says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. A lot of that has to go in the context of his mom because his dad was a slave and they worked them sometimes 12, 16 hours a day. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. They meaning he, he agreed about what was taking place and helped structure it. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than enjoy the placing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ's greater riches and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word and for the examples you've given to us of how we can be productive for your glory and honor. We ask you, God, to let this passage be clear vividly clear 
so that we would learn the principles that lead us to be productive believers and enjoy your presence in our lives, not just know we have it. Lord, we thank you for keeping us another week. But Lord, let this be an investment into our lives for your kingdom and our blessing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I was looking at the news years ago, and it really shocked me at first, first initially because I recognized the mall that this shooting took place in in Kenya, in Nairobi, Kenya. I recognized the mall because I stayed in a hotel right next to the mall. Matter of fact, it was funny because they do shillings, and I thought I had the math down, and so I went to bought something in American money, and when I turned back, I see them laughing, which means they got me. <laughs> I didn't do my math right. They got me. And they were splitting up my money among themselves. I kind of stood back and looked from behind the wall. I said, they're having a good day. So understand, when I saw that, I, and I was tuned in. I stopped everything and was tuned in because that mall was right next to the hotel I was staying and I would go to that mall from time to time to get a few things I'd forgotten. You see, what took place also struck me as a very similar to what happened in Uvalde and that is that the police officer was out there and he is strategizing forever while people are being shot. I mean, he, he's, he, they're showing him calling, doing this, doing that, and they're showing the number of people from the videos inside the mall. This person is just walking around methodically just killing people, just methodically killing people while he is in there talking, talking to this person, talking to that person, sending police officers this way, but they're never going inside the mall. So a lot of people lost their lives, like you saw in Uvalde. Was there, did they have guns? Did they have protective wear? Yeah. Did they have bullets? Yeah. Did they have the armored cars? Yeah. They had everything that was necessary to take on those gunmen. But they did not go in until they just, uh, a group of people just decided we going in. Just like in Uvalde, we busting in this room. We're not sitting here in gunshot after gunshot and do nothing. As a result of that, the terrorists were stopped because somebody stopped being unintentional and chose to be intentional. You see, around us every day, there are people dying. There are people going to hell in this neighborhood. There are people that are not coming to church today. I mean, understand when we built our family life center and our legacy center, they, this, they told me one of the pe people who are the leaders in this community came to the groundbreaking and he told me we will be the 51st church in the Acres Home area. The 51st church. How could that many churches be right here and the crime rate in this community is still what it is. There's got to be a monkey on the line somewhere. I understand that's an issue because we have become content in coming to church but not being the church. We're no different than that officer standing around strategizing forever while people are dying, while, while families are falling apart 
why marriages are falling apart, why young people are lost. They don't have a father in the house to guide and to lead them as a leader in the home. Don't have that. All of those things are lost. While, while people in our community are scared just to go out at night, we still have all the stuff we do through the outreach center, we're still fighting drug problems in this community. All of the work we do in this community in feeding people three times a day, three times a week now with food from the, from the food bank and, ex, and people who donate it in the cabinet, is still hunger in this community. How could we then say to God that we are any different than the officer in Uvalde? Why? Because we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And then we want to know, why is Jesus not making this difference in my life? He says, I've already made the difference. You just don't apply it. I've already done all I'm going to do. He says, I have given you all the Holy Spirit. Not a little bit. I've poured the Holy Spirit inside of you. We got more Bible than the folks like, like Moses. Moses only, he's writing the Bible. He's writing the Pentateuch and things like that. We got 66 books. We got Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says we live in Christ. Christ lives in God. We've got an illuminator, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The Bible is saying he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. He said you have all spiritual blessings. That's some all. There's nothing else to deposit. The issue isn't what we have. It's if it's what we do with it. That's the issue. And that's when we experience God powerful. That's when we see change. That's when we see God become this living organism that changes and makes a difference. How could God make a difference with 12 men over the entire world and he can't make a difference in the same manner with all these churches all over America? And we are not even under persecution. You go to Iraq, you get your head cut off. You go to some places in Turkey, you get your head cut off. You could be in the wrong class part of Nigeria and get yourself shot going to church. It is, we are able to come, we're able to go, we got heat, air conditioning, we got cushion seats. I go to Nigeria, they got them plastic seats that you get out of Walmart. And them folks sit there for three hours. I mean, they sing for two. I'm serious. They sing for two hours, and then they tell me it's time to preach. I'm going, no, I'm tired. What are you talking about time to preach? I look at the preacher. He said, you're tired? I said, no, I didn't know y'all had four different groups going to dance before I get up. I danced at the first two and the third one thinking that was the last one. I'm, I'm from America. We baseball, three strikes. I'm thinking that this thing is done. Then y'all had the little kids to dance. Then you had the young kids to dance. Y'all had all these groups. So by the time the third group, I'm trying to catch my breath. And then everybody's dancing and singing. And folks, you, you think the dance group is the only group in the persons that, oh, folks start dancing. And then don't let the people get excited. The preacher come down from the pulpit and they start doing their thing. And I'm standing up there looking real American trying to dance and everybody's laughing at me like you don't even have the cultural dances you don't even know nothing and we come and we have all of this we got cushion seats air conditioning heat they ain't got no air conditioning church they open up the windows 
That's what they have. And they don't eat. I'm thinking, man, after four hours, they're going home. No, they're in, the, they in the churchyard. I see some African folk here. They're in the churchyard. Their babies sitting on the stuff. They take off their back. And the babies are there. And the women are sitting and talking. And the men are talking. And they, they go through all of this after church. We got all of this freedom. We get to come and go. And where does our faith show our confidence in God? That God, we confidently walk with God. We confidently serve God. COVID come and our confidence went out the door. We can't believe God the same way. Because it's not a lack of God. It is not a lack of God. It's a lack of us putting God to do what he promises he will do. And that's the only difference. We read these books in the Bible and we think these people were great heroes. No, they had confidence in God. Daniel go going to a lion's den because he had confidence in God. That's what he had. He believed that God could take care of him. And if God doesn't, he's going to heaven. So what's the difference? It never said the lion slept. You know, when they threw the people that accused him into the lion's den, they were dead before they hit the ground. That tells you how hungry those lions were. Could you imagine sitting there and having lions as big and massive as they are, moving around you all night, growling, going on, and you still believe in Jesus? Come on now. I know some of y'all be scratching up the walls trying to get out of there. Daniel waited, and as a result of that, he saved the nation. He saved the nation. He chose, he cho he chose to, ch to do that for God, and he changed the culture of politics in that country. One man in the most powerful country in the known world. And we got all these Christians in all these churches, and we can't even believe God in our marriages. We can't believe God in our singleness, in raising our children. It's no different God in this passage. It's just, just no different God. And that's why I'm saying in this year, we have to be more productive. Whether people come back or not, that's fine. Let's take who we got and make a difference. Let's stop talking about, well, we waited. I ain't waiting on nobody to come back. I'm done waiting. I'm saying they come back, they know what God is telling them. They need to be intentional about it. If they don't, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Moses last week, we learned that Moses and his parents, his parents actually, are the ones who confirmed they had faith when a king's edict was exercised and the people were killing babies everywhere. And they don't have any power to do anything different. When those soldiers show up, they come smack through the door. And those doors weren't like locks on the doors. Many times they're just blinds on the door. And they come smack through those doors. I remember going in some of the villages of Africa, the village of Africa, the villages, not the cities, cities of Africa, the many cities that I've gone in Africa, like America, but everybody go takes pictures of the, the, the beautiful tower in Paris and don't go to, the, to, the, to, to all the ghettos in Paris. When they go to Africa, they go to the villages, not the cities. When I go to the villages in Africa, there ain't no door. You know, the chickens running in and out. So could you imagine these slaves in mud huts, in mud huts, and these soldiers just coming in, grabbing their kids and throwing them in the Nile, killing them. And in spite of that kind of power, these folks confirmed they had faith in God by the way they acted. Here's a second thing we find in this passage. That kind of faith went down to their child, Moses. 
It starts off with the parents, goes to their child. That's one of the things that you have to understand. When however you function becomes a legacy. However you operate becomes a legacy. Because kids don't listen to what you say. Kids listen to how you live. That's what they listen to. And if you don't change it, they repeat it. And then you're going to be fussing at them and they're going to look at you like, what? I know what you did. So it's a legacy you create. Whether you like it or not. That's why if a man tries to save his life, he will lose it. That's why he says this in verse 24. The next thing we find in here is that faith, it cannot gain confidence in this life because faith is required. You can't gain it without this. Look at chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. That's the problem. That's the problem. He's saying, hey, you once held to faith in verse 32. But I remember the former days when after being enlightened, the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You endured a great conflict of sufferings. You were ready to rock. You were in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. You were like Moses' parents when it first started out. When everything was going great, you were rocking. But then COVID lasts three years, not two months. Then what happened to that faith that you started out with rocking? Do you know people gave more during COVID than they do now? Watch this carefully. It lasted too long. He says, partly by being made a public spectacle, but look at what happened in verse 35. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. You once had it, but the situation you're in is now lasting long. So all these words the Bible is teaching, you don't want to hold to them anymore because you've been holding to them, but they don't seem to produce nothing of a change in your life. And it's just going on and on and on and on and on. This husband is the same way. This wife is the same way. These baby children ain't changing no matter much devotions I'm doing. I go to work, these folk getting crazier and crazier. Money getting tighter and tighter. Oh, God, my depression is still there. I ain't found a man and I'm 46. Jesus, come back. It lasting too long. So now all these verses, I want to just, okay, God, I, okay, read a verse a day to keep the devil away. Oh, God, I come to church because you told me to come to church. But it's no passion anymore. And that's why they says, in order for confidence to actually rise back up and be productive, it requires faith. Why do I say rise back up? Because Moses is 40 years of age when he decides this. Moses is not 10. Moses is 40. Moses has enjoyed all the Egyptians had to offer. He's enjoyed all their education, Acts chapter 7. He has listened to his mother. He has not forgotten his family. That's why when Aaron shows up and Miriam shows up, he knows who they are. So in the 40 years that he left out of Egypt, apparently living in Midian, he would come back and forth, that I believe, he come back and forth because he knows his family. He knows who they are. They, Miriam could get all in his face because she changed his pamper like my older sister would tell me from time to time. Boy, I changed your pamper. Thank you. I don't wear them anymore, though. <laughs> I don't wear them, okay? I don't wear them no more. So stop trying to tell me to be my mama. You ain't my mama. 
So Miriam was trying to be mama, telling Moses what about who he going to marry. Because they knew him. Moses lived for 40 years being Moses, but he couldn't keep doing it. He couldn't keep doing it. And what changed him is something that made him make decisions. He had to come to decision. Because faith is required in order for confidence to be maintained. Watch this. How does this work? Look at verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 11. He says, by faith, we've defined faith already. Faith is not something popping out of the skies. I get frustrated people say, oh, I have faith that God is going to give me this car. He never said that in a verse. Okay, you all end up with a bill, insurance, and if it's uh, pre-owned, you end up with a used car. Because you, he didn't say that in any verse. Faith comes by hearing. What's the word comes? Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, it's deposited and ready for use. But you got to be able to apply it before faith works. James chapter 2. We talked about it. Faith works when you go to work with it. If you don't apply God's word, we don't have faith. We just had that it come. That's it. So people say, I got faith. Where's the verse? I got faith that I'm able to sustain in this life that I'm dealing with. What verse are you claiming? What verse are you believing in? And what verse are you acting on? That's the difference here. Do these people who are backing up in chapter 10 have verses? He's saying they do, but they're throwing it away. They close their Bible and only do come to church. They were even forgot coming to church. Look at verse 25. They, they didn't want to come to church. He says, not forsaking the assembling together as a habit of some. Not coming to church will become a habit. That's why it's hard to come back. It's a habit. He's telling you it is. So he's saying to us, they even quit going to church because the struggles in life, the pain of life was just too much. And he says, as a result of that, these decisions weren't being made and therefore they totally did not have faith. And therefore they were going to destruction. Look at chapter 10. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But the righteous one, the person who wants to walk in God's word, will live by faith, not sight, not feelings, not their own way of thinking. If they shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in them. Is God merciful and will keep trying to take care of his kids? Yes. But would God find pleasure in them? No. Look at what he says. But we are not of those who string back to what? Destruction. So we think we have an option here, but we don't. God is, doesn't find pleasure when we, he's done his job of depositing the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Bible, the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth, the Holy Spirit to remind us of what the Bible is saying, and he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, and we are not doing anything with it. We're just throwing it away. Anytime a marriage gets tense, we just throw it away. We go to our feelings. This is what I think. When loneliness gets difficult, we just, you know what, God, I just got to date somebody because I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of eating all these Valentine stuff by myself. God, 
I am sick of these folk on this job. They're going to have to hear some mouth today. They got to recognize. So we, we come to that point where we go to our feelings. And when we go to our feelings, the Bible says we threw it away. We threw it away just like trash. That's what he's saying. Moses had to decide to do these things, these different things we're going to talk about, these four things we're going to talk about. Moses had to decide to do that. Or if he didn't, Moses would have become prince and do, enjoyed everything that, that there was to enjoy, but he would have never been Moses. Never been Moses. God would have had to find a different leader. Watch this carefully. The first thing Moses decided is, I'm going to put the word of God to work by faith. I have to put the word of God to work. Not being a general of the army. Not being my strategic knowledge of all the scientifical things the Egyptians would teach me. And the strategies of war. That's why the spies were sent in. Moses was trying to put together a strategy of war. None of those things. I decide to do God. Period. Here's the next thing. He said, when I was full grown, you got to take your spiritual growth seriously. The word doesn't make any sense. Come on, folks. How many times our mama and daddy told us stuff and it didn't make no sense? Right? But then we grew up and we went, oh, wow. That was, I wish I had taken them serious way back. I may not have made all these mistakes I made. If I just listened to them. My dad literally sat me down when I was in college and he said, son, listen to me. I want you to learn Spanish. Go learn Spanish. I made it all the way to the Spanish college. I literally got to the door. Somebody distracted me. And, and guess who Pierre goes and marries? An Argentinian. What does she speak? There you go. If I had listened to my daddy, I would have known Spanish. Guess how many people live in this community that are Spanish-speaking people? Lots in Acres Home. Even though my dad couldn't see that, God must have put it on his heart, told me to go learn Spanish, and this dude said, no. What am I learning Spanish for? I'm 19 years of age, all black and got my Afro going and, you know, all Afrocentric and, and I ain't learned Spanish. So when I grow up, I go, man, I wish I had listened to my dad. Growing spiritually. That's why it's life app classes, applying the word of God, listening to somebody tell us, hey, this is how it worked for me. Oh, this is a mistake I made when I didn't pick up the Bible and did this. I could learn from somebody else. And when I'm learning from someone else and I'm getting the chance to apply God's word because now I get it and I started to grow up in Christ, guess what happens? It now makes sense what Moses' mother was teaching him. So that's why spiritual growth is huge. You can't just come to church and go home. You've got to be in a small group where you can challenge yourself to grow. That's why we do that here. That's why we do it here. Here's the third thing. We've got classes for marriage people. We, we've got small groups for our, your youth. We have small groups for your children. Because this is huge. Or their faith does not come to life and their potential that God has for them in their life is not seen. The potential that God can see in us is not seen. 
Who would have think a 12-year-old boy going to meet with this woman named Sister Clark, carrying an umbrella, riding on a duck belly bike, coming for one kid would be standing here today? Who would think this Sister Clark that nobody knows about, a senior woman that would come to church where no matter if I came, if, if, if everybody else came or just me alone. And eventually after a few weeks it was just me alone because my mama made me go. It's not like, oh, Paul was called to ministry at the age of 12, so he felt led to go to church. And no, 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 no. My mother took me home. I liked being the first person to get the meal because she had to get me back to church. So I was well taken care of. She made sure I had fresh clothes. She gave me food to eat. I said, okay, son, now you're ready. Go take a nap. And I used to hate that. Go take a nap in your underwear because I don't want you in your church clothes. I used to hate that. I'm in my room in my underwear sleeping because I can't wear my church clothes to bed. Then you go put on your church clothes. She takes me. She gets me. She tells me where to walk. I go to church and I'm sitting there waiting on Sister Clark because of my mother. Then it became something I want to do. When I became 13, going on 14, I now want to learn this. But it took the time to grow. Here's the third thing we find. He says, called the son of Pharaoh. We have to make an active strategic choice. It is not something that's going to come by osmosis. It is not, folks. You will be in the same place spiritually. You would be in the same place mentally. You would be in the same place in your experience of God if there's not a decision to make and you make it. As long as you put off the decision, you've made a decision not to do it. That's literally how I see it. I told you, raise my kids on that. Delayed obedience is the first step to disobedience. You can't say, God, I'm getting to it. You just told God you're not. That's what he's saying here. Look at this carefully. Watch the words. Call the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Call the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There's two things attached to that. Number one, Moses says, I reject what you're asking me to become. I reject it. Some of you young people haven't rejected that nice life. You haven't rejected going and sitting, you know, in these. I'm not in a club. I'm just in the area here giving a little drink and hanging out with my friends. You haven't, you haven't rejected that. You haven't rejected pornography. You haven't rejected living a life in, under the covers at the job where you don't want nobody to know you're all this church person. You haven't rejected. You haven't decided any of those things. And the Bible is saying what you've done is accepted what the world has to offer you in this life. You've yet to accept what God wants to do with your life. You haven't accepted what God wants to do with the life he sustains. You just keep accepting whatever the world makes you. A good employee. A faithful person that comes to the house and do what they're supposed to do. There's nobody growing up, nobody being challenged. I just do what the world expects from me and that's where I'm a good person. And I'm done. I don't see the potential. My son called me one day from college. My oldest son, he was mad. He was mad. I said, why are you so mad? Man, dad, his coach is like on me all the time. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm doing exactly what he said, but no, you didn't move your feet. Okay. But I, I ran to the hole. I, I did my job in the hole. But when you got to the hole, you squatted. He's like picking at me. I said, that coach really is trying to work on you. 
He sees potential. See, Dad, that's why I didn't want to call you. <laughs> I said, son, I'm just telling you the truth. You can accept the truth and reject the truth, but that coach likes you. That coach actually sees potential. You say he's picking on you, picking on you, picking on you about your feet, your where you squat, how you tackled, how you went in a certain way. He's picking on you. He says he's not doing it to the other cornerbacks, but he's doing it to you. He is seeing potential in you, and that's why he's doing this. That's why sometimes when you choose to walk with God, he seems to be picky. He's just trying to make you better. He's not trying to bring you down. He's trying to build you up. And he sees the potential. That's, what, that's what's happening here with Moses. Moses could have accepted what the world had. Great education. A general in the military. Had all the luxuries that was available to him in, in, in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house. He could have all that is available. He could command people. He was like the, a person who was next in line. He could have gotten all of that. But he says, I reject it. I come to decision in my life when I now could understand what my mama's talking about, when I'm now grown enough to see what's going on, and I said, that's not the life for me. It's a decision. He, he, nowhere here, it said, and Moses liked it. No, the next verse is going to say, he had to accept that this is going to be rough. It was terrible. When I describe it for you, Moses chose, went from luxury and pleasures to horrible 40 years. And he understood what it looked like when he made the choice because he was following faith. Watch this carefully. You know, I get people and people tripping, people say stuff. I said, man, y'all tripping. You ever seen heaven? You ever seen a description of heaven? And Jesus came down here and lived as a carpenter's son? You ever see the contrast? Go read places like Revelation that describes heaven. Go talk, let him talk to you about heaven. And then look at his life on earth and see the decision he made for you. So it's not like he's asking you to do something he didn't himself do for you. So how in the world could you sit back and say, man, I got to throw away all this stuff because of Jesus? Jesus threw away anything because of you. That's why he says this. Watch this, watch this words. He, he says, I reject being called Pharaoh's son. That don't make no sense. No sense. I reject it. It's a willful decision based on his deep convictions. And he's going, what I like about this, he says, and I choose, chose to be, I chose, I refused, rejected, to be called the son of Pharaoh. Well, what he's literally saying here is, I'm going to verbalize and keep reminding myself that I am not going to be in that palace anymore. I got to keep telling myself this because if I don't keep telling myself this, guess what I'm going to do? Go right back. So this is, I say this to people all the time. If you decide, it's like standing, we were in the backwoods of Kenya and the Kenya roads aren't the best when you're going from one city to the next. They're just not. So we were going, we, it could have taken us maybe five hours to get where we were going, but it literally took us eight and a half hours. It's just, boom, busted two tires. Boom. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. We're just dancing to the war. Nigeria scares the life out of me with that. I was in Nigeria. The guy says, his roads are too bumpy. Let, let me explain it to you. It just freaked me out what he did. And he says, Dr. Cannings, we have to get you to the airport. I'm saying, could we not just do Dr. Cannings today? You know, let's just get somebody to the airport that's not important to you. Because I'm serious. Suppose you're going down I-10 and, and it's east and west, right? 
But you decided going into town on I-10 on east is too bumpy. So you crossed the medium. And with traffic going west, you're still going east. That was Nigeria. And then he decided to go at 90 miles an hour. I mean, somebody asked him to stop, and he went out and he puked everywhere on the side of the street. He said, I can't handle this. I never forget the day when we are coming to the top of the mountain, and when we passed the top of the mountain, there was an oil tanker that passed us. And I'm going, God, just suppose he decided to cross over. We were head on at 90 miles an hour. That was scary. I'm serious. I said, next time I go to the airport, what's your name again? <laughs> Lord have mercy. I never felt so happy to be at the airport. I'm serious. Nigeria, I know y'all get mad at me. They could do that. They cross the medium and go on the other side. And traffic lights is like New York. I don't believe in no traffic light. Somebody going traffic like honk, 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 honk. And they would literally tell the person, and they're in, and it's red light. And they'll tell the person, oh, yeah, I don't know what they're saying, but they're mad at the person for even coming in their way. And I'm going, uh, you got red. But I, I, I you know, Dr. Cannings, we will take care of you. Oh, man, stop this, Dr. Cannings. Let, let Jesus take care of me. <laughs> See, I understand. Moses is going east. Where is West? And he's a driver. And he's saying, hey, I don't, I'm a verbalize that I don't care to be your son. Because if I don't keep saying that with all that luxury, I'm going back. That's why sometimes the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12, present your body as a living sacrifice. In Greek it means every day, every moment, keep saying to God, forgive me, Lord. Keep saying to God, help me, Lord. Keep saying to God, change me, Lord. Keep saying to God, God, you know what I'm thinking about. I know I'm not supposed to be thinking about it. So, God, I come to you and I'm asking you to take it out of my mind so I go this way. It's a constant thing every day. That's what he's saying. I have to keep telling myself over and over again, you're crazy, man. No, 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 no. I'm doing what God tells me to do. I got to keep doing what God tells me to do. He's doing it over and over and over and over again so that his confidence level could be built up. It's like guys going to play football and they're screaming and hollering before the game. Ah, just jumping up and now we're going to kill them. We're going to be together. We're brothers forever. All this other stuff. They're pumping themselves up to go play and they're saying it over and over again. And during the game, high five. Yeah. They got to keep pumping themselves because the game is crazy. When you think of football, it's crazy. Seeing guys throw their bodies at each other. He says, that's what it takes for faith to not just be confirmed but to constantly, it's constantly required for confidence to remain. Constantly required. Because thoughts will hit your mind. And that's why this kind of faith shapes you. That's why when the minute you decide to do that, the very next verse tells you the next thing it's required for confidence. You have to accept that your life has changed and it's now requiring endurance. It's requiring endurance. In chapter 10, that's exactly what they were lacking. Look at verse 36. For you have need of in what? Endurance. You're throwing away your faith because you're not willing to bear up under what this new life brings you. 
You're not willing, when this new life comes and hits you in the face, and you're really into it now, because you're determined, no, I ain't doing that, man. No, I'm not going back to that. That's wrong. I know what the Bible says. I'm going to keep going in this direction. Oh, no, 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 no. This person did this to me at the job. Nope, not going to be cussing no more. I need to stop doing that. So, Lord, help my mouth, help my tongue. God, you know what I'm thinking. I'm doing a lot of things in my head that is sinful. Forgive me, God. I'm going in this direction. Oh, man. I shouldn't be looking on that. Okay, God, this is wrong. I'm clicking and turning this TV to something else. It's a constant thing of presenting, 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 presenting. And he says, but it brings a whole new life when you do that. And if I'm not committed to this new life, my confidence is thrown away. This is, watch this carefully here. Watch this, it's a whole new life. You've decided for a whole new life. He says it right here it's in verse 25. He says, choosing. Don't forget, it's a choice. In the Greek text, let me just do a little Greeky here for a second. In the Greek text, it means this is the subject of this verse. And this subject must dominate what you do the rest of the time with this verse. So you can't go down this verse without recognizing this is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not how somebody convinced me. It's not having a great day. It's not how wonderful things seem. It is a choice that I'm going to make, and I'm going to stick with that choice. And that choice must be the a constant focus of my mindset. Constant focus of my mindset. He says this. It's funny how that happened to me the other day. I, um, I was going to catch a plane out of Dallas. And, and the traffic was horrible. And I was using a GPS because Dallas changed on me. When I was in seminary, I was a courier. So I went all over Dallas. But Dallas changed on me. So I got my phone in my lap while I'm talking to somebody. Because I, I didn't want to stop and put my little air things in. So I just put it on my, my, my thigh and the phone died. So in the middle of traffic, I have no directions. So I got to the airport, and I'm late. I'm begging everybody, would you please, please, I, I promise, I got TSA, I got Claire, I get out your way in a quick hurry. Would you let me go through? People say, no problem, no problem. I made it through, and I got to the gate. And the woman says, you lost your seat. Man, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. A lot of thoughts came to my head like, are you crazy? How many times I've sit here and waited for y'all when you were late? How many times? I wanted to just argue lady. And I guess my eyes said everything because I kept saying to myself the whole time, your tongue is a deadly weapon. I'm serious. This is the only way I could make it because I'm like frustrated. You gave away my seat? Serious? So, <laughs> so, you, 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 so this, and this plane is packed. This plane is packed. So I'm standing there, and all I kept saying, oh, God, I know what's inside of me. I'm not trying to be the hero of this. I promise you this was going on. God, I know what was inside of me. I know what I, if I open my mouth. And she's just talking like, oh, do, you, do you know, you're late? I mean, she's just fussing like a mother fussing at a child. I'm just fussing at me. I literally had to say to her, ma'am, I'm not arguing with you. I'm late. Okay? Well, well, you, you, what are you gonna? I said, ma'am, 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 ma'am. You got to have a seat somewhere. Oh, we, we got to close these doors. I said, ma'am, ma'am, you got 10 minutes. I, I, I need to get this plane. I, I got to go to some place. I got, I'm landing, going someplace. He says, 
Oh, she's just going on and on and on and on. I said, ma'am, I, I said it before. I'm not arguing with you. Because that's the only thing I could have done. If I started talking, Lord, sweet Jesus. Oh, how I love your name. Because I wanted to tell her, hey, ma'am, I've sat at this airport and waited on y'all. Not weather, not mechanical problems with some of them time. I've waited on y'all. Y'all just late. Y'all not the best airline for being on time. United is not. Okay? Southwest, God bless you. <laughs> so at the end of the day, ma'am, but I did, I couldn't open my mouth. That's why he's saying it's a choice. It's a choice you have to keep making because we are still human when faith is in us. It doesn't stop us from being human. So there's always a choice. And now that I have your word, not and I know me, I got to keep making a choice. And that choice is what gives me confidence. So I look at her and I said to her, I said, I'm 1K. You're 1K? Okay. Well, you can have a middle seat in the back. No problems. It's flying the same way. That's all I could remember was, I'm 1K, ma'am. Oh, you're 1K. Sorry, sorry. Okay, no problem, sir. We'll get you a seat. When I got in there, there was extra seats. I wanted to turn back and say, okay. <laughs> Just do your job, honey, baby child. <laughs> I went and I sat in the middle looking at the person who was in my seat. <laughs> then I had to deal with a whole lot of attitude. Because on my app, they bumped me up to business class. So I had to walk past the person. Then I get to sit and stare at them. What does it mean? Choices, 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 choices. That's why it's the subject of this verse. I see them eating my meal. Okay, make the choice to keep preaching. In verse 25, it says, choosing rather to endure ill treatment. Ill treatment. It may take you back into a marriage you don't want to be in. It may take you back into a job you don't want to be in. It may take you back into an office environment that is hostile like in the days of Daniel. It may take you back into a family that's baby. It may take you back into a situation where you around your friends that drink and you're trying to stop drinking. It may take you back into a place that you don't want to be in. But is the choice make you drive you back by because the word of God does it then the Bible is saying you have to accept in treat, ill treatment and that's why it requires endurance when God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son ill treatment ill treatment ill treatment ill treatment ill treatment ill treatment all the way to the cross ill treatment but it brought the will of God it exposed it Moses left wealth and riches to go live in Midian. You ever studied Midian? He left running a nation to take care of sheep. Sheep. Guess how long it lasts? 40 years. So sometimes you're back in the situation and God changes nothing. And God is saying you can't get out. This is the job. You got too many bills, Gomi G. 
You know you can't go find another job right now. You need that health insurance with a health issue I let be in your life. So since you have this health issue, you can't go changing insurances. You're stuck like Chuck. You got to come to this job and listen to these people and smile at your boss that you know is unfair and deal with all of that stuff because, and then I'm going to tell you what to do in it. I'm going to tell you to love your enemies. I'm going to tell you to pray for those who despitefully use you. I'm going to literally make you so vulnerable on this job or in this marriage. I'm going to tell you to love. Like Hosea, love your wife while she was a prostitute. Love her. God, I may tell you all these verses that you now be chose, that you were to willfully choose to go do over and over again. You're going to choose to go do it. But the more you keep choosing verses, the more I seem to put you in mess. That's why it requires confidence that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all you could ever access or think because it requires it simply because the verses may put you into deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and deeper situations just because God is saying, do that. Think about it for a minute, folks. Suppose you're on a job with a boss that is unfair. And you know they're unfair. You know they keep looking over you. You know they're not dealing with you. But when you go to the job, the Bible is saying, respect your boss. If, and I could give you the verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, verse 26. Even when you know they're unfair, because I will bless you, they don't. So now you're walking into this job, and the Bible is literally telling you to respect them. The Bible is not saying respect them to do dishonest things, but respect them in the sense that they're your boss. And you got to go in there and follow that verse to the T. And you can't make the boss do anything. You can't change the job in any kind of way. You can't fix any situation. All you can do is obey the Bible. That's why he's saying the minute you choose to walk by faith and you're intentional about it, you have to decide that I'm going to bear up under whatever that brings and do whatever God says. And he says, that's what shapes you, empowers you, and bring me out of you. Because that's what leads me to fight for you. You start looking back at everybody. That's what God used and he fought for them. Daniel, lines then, vulnerable, fought for him. Go back, Joseph, vulnerable, 12 years. 12 years in jail for something he didn't even do. Fought for him. Because when the word of God takes you to places you don't want to go, God will bring you out of places to take you to places you would have never gone. Because he makes you what you have the potential to be. Understand that, folks. Faith will drive you to endurance. To bear up under it. To bear up under it. <laughs> the story was told of a soldier who, he was wounded pretty bad. And he looked at his buddies and he said, if y'all keep carrying me, we're going to all die. There's just way too many bullets flying. I know y'all love me, but you got to leave me here. The guy's, oh man, no, 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 no. They squat down, they're fighting away, trying to get to the medic. Because the medic, they can't get to the medic. This is, a, this is a true story. And they can't get to the medic. So they, they squat down and they're fighting, they're shooting. And they say, and he keeps saying, let me die. Let me die. And the guy can say, no, man, no, 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 no. We're fighting, we're fighting. And they're fighting. Boom, one of his buddies got taken out. Didn't I say, let me die? 
So the man, the man is left there. They, they, they have to go back into the war and, and go back into the, the platoon to, to get the mission done. So they left him there just bleeding. A, a, a lieutenant came by and goes, hey, man, why did they just left you here? He said, I told them to. Sir, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, 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 don't do anything. I'm bleeding too fast. Just, no, 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 no. Look in my back pocket because I can't move now. I'm lo losing my motion. Look in my back pocket. You'll see a New Testament Bible. And he said, just keep reading that to me and I'm good to go. You see, even though he knew he had a fatal shot, he knew where he was going. So even in death, he was confident. Did he want to leave? No, he's 20-something years old. But he understood where he was going, and he wasn't willing for anybody else to go because he knew his buddies weren't saved. He said, man, my buddies in this platoon, they're not saved. I don't want them to die. I could die, but not they die. He made a choice. He made an active choice because faith required it, and it made him go to, his, to heaven because he believed it with all his heart, and that confidence drove him into a better place and saved his friends. You see, folks, it's a choice, and he's telling us it doesn't always take us to pleasant places. It just doesn't, and I'm not going to sell that to you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to be blessed in the city, blessed in the fields. God going to do this for you? No, I'm not a soothsayer. The Bible says that sometimes when you decide to walk with God, you're in a tough marriage. Sometimes when you decide to walk with God, you're going to be lonely as a single because he's going to tell you to live celibate. So now what? I can't deal with any, I can't take on another man or woman. Because now he's saying, hey, you can't live with somebody. He's saying that's sinful. So now what you got to do is what? Live celebrate when you have all your needs. He doesn't always take you to places. For instance, a person may have feelings for somebody of the same sex. But the Bible is going homosexuality is a sin. So even though they have those feelings, not have to work through those feelings because the Bible is calling it a sin. So what does it take them in places? Where they got to go for counseling, meet with somebody, get accountability partners. They now have to expose their sin to other people. It doesn't always take you in wonderful places. Sometimes it takes you in some tough places. And that's why it requires, before you go into those tough places, a choice to continually do what God says. If I don't commit to that first, I will not stay in those places where God can develop me. That's why it requires endurance. Oh, folks, and it would take some of the pleasures away from us. Now, it also keeps our hope alive. See, he's working out verse 1 of chapter 11 here. Faith is the substance of things what? Watch how it works out as hope for Moses. Here's the hope for Moses. Moses could see this. The word hope in the Bible is to expect something that makes no human sense. I'm hoping for something that makes no human sense. But because it's faith, I choose to believe it. But I can't see it because for my human eyes, makes no sense. If I try to go down this thing logically, it still makes no sense. So since it makes no sense, I choose to feel treatment because I need to keep my hope alive. I never forget sitting on the grass with my grandson who had just run one of the fastest races of his life. And we were talking after the, after the race. And he said to me, you know, Papa, when I get to the Olympics, 
and I'm in the Olympics. You know, I, I got to run this kind of time. I never stopped that talk. I, never, I, I was excited that here is a 13-year-old running the fastest, second fastest in the country now, running in his, in, his, in his level, and he has gotten to the point where the trainers and everybody is telling him, you have a lot of talent, and he's believing that talent. He's putting a lot of work into it. As a matter of fact, he, he, uh, <laughs> he was at my house. He took a shower, came out with his six-pack, and I said, boy, you better put on a shirt embarrassing me in my own house. Don't be doing that. <laughs> you embarrassing me in my own house. Boy, you better put a towel around that thing. I mean, every inch of a six-pack is showing. He's getting up early in the morning, working out to stay, stay uh, uh, flexible. And he's going to go out there and he's running with this thing of the Olympics at 13. The Bible is saying what kept your endurance is your hope. That's, that's, that's what Moses has here. He says, rather than endure endurance, rather than the passing pleasures, verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ, greater what? Riches. What is he giving up? Pleasures. What is he looking for? Riches. Riches. He's saying, man, when we get to heaven, oh, man, let me, let me stay down here for a minute because heaven, I don't know why we kill ourselves over earth. It's like going to an airport and getting excited about the airport, not the flight. So you're at the airport, eating, relaxing, watching television, but never catching a flight. After a while, the airport becomes ridiculously boring. And that's why some of our lives are. Because we are focused on the airport, God is focused on the flight. <laughs> so, and we get bored to death just taking care of the airport. I got something to eat, so we go to another place. Oh, I got to change where I go to eat because I'm sick of eating fish. I need to get some meat, so we go to another place at the airport. No, we, we, we go, oh, no, I need my own bathroom, so we go to a club at the airport. After a while, we get bored because all we're doing is the airport. And God is going, no, I only put you in the airport for a flight. You got to keep thinking of the Bahamas. You know, like kids in the backseat of a car. Are we there yet? Think like that. We sell to the kids, we are going, I'll never forget that, we're going to Corpus Christi and there's a beautiful beach and all this other stuff. We sold it to them. But Corpus Christi is five hours from Houston. After 30 minutes, are we there yet? I said, I'm still selling it. Oh, don't worry about it. It's a long trip, but don't worry about it. It's gonna, we're going to go to the beach, we're going to stay as long as we want. We got the tubes, we got all this other stuff. We're going to have a great time. 30 minutes later, are we there yet? What made them endure that back seat when I started realizing it? In the back seat, when you're a little kid, you only see the back of the seat. That's why they fight over the windows, like, get me out of jail. I didn't realize it until my wife told me, do you know what a back seat is like for a kid? All they see is a back seat is why they fight over the, the, the window, because they want to see something. Like, like, I'm in jail for a long time. But the hope of being on the beach. So I arranged it so that when we arrived, we could go straight to the beach to the hotel later. And they bust out the car like I locked them up for five hours. They bust out. And they, kids on water. Oh, my gosh. Hey, it's time to go in. Look at your fingers. They're all swizzled up. That's okay. I wanted to lie to them and say, you're going to die. That's why it's swizzling up. But I couldn't do it. We got to go get something to eat. 
And not until they were starving. And then when they finished eating, guess what they wanted to do? At night, back to the water. The reason why they kept functioning like that is why. In spite of enduring five hours in a back seat, because their father says, use the restroom before we leave. Guess what? Hope. That's what Moses is saying. I'm out here for 40 years taking care of these people's sheep. When I had people serving me and bringing some lamb chops to me when I asked them. And I'm out here in Midian. And Midian is a lot of black people. So Moses is around, it's, it's a place of dark-skinned people. Moses is here, and, and that's why Moses ended up marrying uh, Katuria. She, she was an, uh, a dark-skinned woman. He, he was at 40 years right there. So he's there, and he's taking care of sheep. It's not the pleasures he's accustomed to, the servants he's accustomed to. He don't take off, have somebody taking off his armor, parking his horse, taking care of his chariot, putting it back together. None of that stuff. He's out in, you know what it's like to take care of sheep? You're out in the, in the wilderness going from grass place to grass place to grass place to grass place to grass place. That's where he's going. Over and over and over again. That's why they didn't like shepherds. They stunk. They didn't take baths for days. And then they used their clothes to, take care of the sheep's nose and take stuff off the sheep. So by the time they come in, they stink. That's why when you see Joseph brothers with the Egyptians, they're in one side of the room, Joseph is on another side, and the Egyptians couldn't stand them. They're in a whole other side. Moses was like that, coming from a place where people gave him baths, a place where he was served, and he's out there for 40 years. Now Moses says, when I'm out there, I keep thinking. Jesus is going to come back. I ain't going to be here forever. I'm not going to stay here forever. That's what he's thinking the whole time. He says, I'm looking for the reward. I'm looking for it. My mama told me about it. I believe it. I'm looking for it. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. You could, you could read the Bible, but you don't act on it. You're not pleasing God. He's finding no pleasure in you. He says, for he, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, must make a choice. For he, that is, for that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He rewards. Moses is saying, I am seeking the reward. I know one day I'm going to be, Israel is going to be victorious. We're going to be a nation that's going to rise up and see the Messiah. And we're going to be great one day. I know what the scriptures are teaching. The oral traditions are teaching. I know all of these things. I believe it. I trust it. I'm hoping in it. So I'm looking for my reward. And because I'm looking for my reward, and he's not a liar. You look at chapter 6, verse 18 in Hebrews, it says, God is, cannot lie. He says, so that my unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. So I know God can't lie. So I know what he's saying is true. Since I know what he's saying is true, I don't care what I'm going through. I'm looking for the reward. I am looking for the Olympics and a gold medal. So if I got to stretch, if I got to run, if I got to do all these things, I'll endure all those things because I expect a gold medal. That's what keeps my, my, my faith going. That's why faith is a substance of what I hope for. I'm looking for Christ. Folks, do you realize when we get to heaven, it's all about what we did on earth? 
There's no purgatory. There's no purgatory. If you come to Bible study and study Revelation, we'll tell you about those rewards. You would have a crown of life for those who choose to endure ill treatment for the work of God. He says, because you chose to keep going to that same crazy job, stay in your marriage and do what I tell you to do and keep loving on your husband, loving on your wife, where you don't feel like it and you keep doing it. Because you went to that job, no matter what's going through, and you did what you were supposed to do, I saw that, so I'm going to give you a crown of life. And because you're an overcomer, you're going to share the throne with me. Because you choose to live righteous throughout all of it, I will give you a crown of righteousness. I'll put on a white gown. That's why he says in heaven, it will be very, very obvious who walked with God and who didn't. There's no hiding of it. Can't go in a corner. It is obvious. Oh, folks, when you take that away, He's just stuck in the airport, wondering, why am I here? Why am I doing here? Been in this marriage forever. Same person, doing the same stuff. Get up in the morning going, oh gosh, he's still alive. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Oh, Lord, is he breathing? Finger by the nose, yep, he's living. Go to the job. Same wicked people showing up, God. When you, you, you tell me you, the wicked will wither away, when they going to wither? They ain't withering. They're growing strong up in here. Lord, you say if you give, I'll be blessed. I'm still struggling financially. I'm barely making it, Lord. I, I would love to get me a new car. I love to put on some new shoes, especially when I went to my friend's house and she don't even go to church and she got 50 of them. <laughs> How fair is that, God? She got weave upon weave and I could barely get one out of Mar uh, Walmart. Look at her kids, God, and she living this life, got all these men doing all this stuff. Look at her life. She got a color for every nail. Ring on every finger. And I'm hoping for the day of God. God is saying, you throw away your confidence. If in your faith, you're not accepting endurance and you turn off the light, that it's not in the end of the tunnel, it's all the way through the tunnel. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, you would have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sins. Moses walked around for 40 years looking for the redemption of Israel. He was looking. That's why Moses killed <laughs> the Egyptian. Moses thought this is the time. Moses didn't leave because he was afraid. The Bible said, oh yeah, you go back to Exodus. He left because he was afraid. No, no. Moses, when you take the word afraid and put it in this context, Moses was not afraid of what was ahead of him. And therefore, he wasn't afraid what the king could do to him. Because Moses believed that he is the deliverer. That's why he killed him. You see, many of you would be afraid. Man, if I keep doing this in this marriage, the person can take advantage of me. I'm doing all this stuff. 
The Bible says, no, you sanctify your home and sanctify your kids, 1 Corinthians 7. You keep trying to do the thing, you mess up your kids and you mess up your marriage. And you are messed up because you choose not to endure when you knew the scriptures say. Yeah, you got this man or this woman because you're following your pleasures. He says, what does that lead to? Sexual diseases. Now you got to disclose that to somebody you really fall in love with and want to get married to. And you got to tell them and they may leave. On hearing that, then what? See, because I didn't accept what, in, what loneliness may mean once I decide to walk with God. Yeah, I understand homosexuality is a sin. But man, I feel what I feel. And based on Romans chapter 1, it is a real feeling. Romans chapter 1 doesn't say it's not a feeling. It said it is a feeling. I'll turn you over to it. That's why I see more and more and more and more people having it. I feel it. When somebody comes to me and says, you feel it. I know you feel it. But I feel like hitting you in the head right now, but it's not legal. And it's not biblical. So, we both got to manage our feelings. You have to give up the pleasures of this life many times for the call of God. And when you do that, you keep your hope alive that, God, I wouldn't have this feeling one day. And, Lord, you will help me to live the way you want me to live, and you will bless me. Who would have think that Moses, who would have think that Moses would come back from Midian as a shepherd and, but, and be able to lead people? Who would think? But because his confidence proved to be true, when he talked about a stick over the Red Sea, he would raise it. Think of how nonsensible that is. A stick over the Red Sea with two million people fussing at you at the same time, and you still put it there. Why? His confidence was firm. Abraham, go kill your son. Man, my wife was 75 when she had this boy. I go kill him. His confidence was strong. Joshua, put your foot in the water for the Jordan opens up. Yes, Lord, because his confidence was strong. Walk around a wall and blow a trumpet. Really? Really? Blow a trumpet with these valiant warriors behind there? Really, God? Now, how many times, God? His confidence was sure. <laughs> the best person is Jesus. I'm going to die on the cross. Because on the third day, my daddy told me, I'll raise from the dead. You can stab me, beat me, put nails in my hands, crumb thorns on my head, bust up my back, do what you want to do. You can't kill the person inside. Because my daddy said I'm getting up on the third day, I look forward to the day I'm with my daddy. And that's why on the cross, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'll see you in paradise, because that's where we going, because my daddy told me so. <laughs> that's the reason why Jesus Christ could function with so, so much confidence. When you look at his situation, it makes no sense. He's in his underwear, dying on a cross. What confidence you need to have in the God to let you have that? Has God let you go through that and you still believe in him? Oh, yes, I believe in my daddy. I must be about 
my father's business. The only time he cried out is when his daddy said, turned his back on him. Oh, father, don't do that. Don't do that. But then he remembered on the third day, I wouldn't have to worry about him leaving me no more. Forever and forever and forever, I will be with him. Folks, the only way to experience the confidence of God is to intentionally do what he says, no matter what it costs. Let us stand. We're excited that you have joined us, and I pray this message touched your life. We pray that you enjoyed it. We pray that it impacted your heart, and we hope that you would subscribe and continue to grow with all the messages that are here. You can find a sermon outline. So we're glad you enjoyed it. Look forward to you coming back so we grow together. Thank you for blessing us and for blessing your life by allowing us to serve you.